0: Welcome to the St. Michael Lenten podcast series. My name is Mary Lessman, and I'll be leading our meditation today. Our theme this Lent is U-Turn. Lent is a season when we can respond to Christ's love by turning and returning to God. Join us in this renewal process and become part of God's holy work in the world. 1 John 1 verses 8-9 puts it this way, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 to 25. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they are without excuse, for they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Here ends the reading. Have you ever been caught in a dispute between people who are important to you? Between two of your siblings or two of your children? Between two of your best friends? Or perhaps between two colleagues? Trying to mediate in these situations is tricky. You want to be seen as impartial. You want to show that you hear the points on each side and affirm they have validity. Most importantly, you want to move the situation toward reconciliation and not a wider breach. And you certainly don't want either or both of them turning on you for entering the fray. This is the setting we enter in Paul's letter to the Romans. For the next several weeks, we will have readings assigned from this epistle. Paul's letter to the Romans is his testament. It, more than any other of his letters, distills the very essence of his faith and belief. Paul probably wrote it at the end of its third missionary journey to Asia Minor and Greece, which would have been about 57 CE. Unusual for Paul, Romans is written to a church he neither founded nor has visited, but it is a community he hopes to visit in future. In 49 CE, the Emperor Claudius expelled Jews from Rome. After Claudius died five years later, his edict lapsed and Jews began returning. Gentile Christians had assumed leadership of the church in Rome in the absence of Christian Jews. As you might imagine, there was some friction in the community as Jews returned and re-entered the church. The purpose of Paul's letter is to help reconcile tensions between the Gentile and Jewish Christians in the Roman church. As is often the case when one is serving as a mediator for an argument, Paul is looking to find some common ground from which to begin the discussion. But you gotta hand it to Paul. He's just as likely to start with a grenade as with a hug. What he settles on for his opening here is, you're both utterly undeserving of God's good grace and instead of arguing with each other about whose path to God through Christ is better, you should be thanking your lucky stars that God deigns to save you at all. Gentiles, look at your history. You have only to look at the level of decadence and corruption in the world to see that you have not grasped God's truth. You chose to worship man-made creatures and your appetites instead of the one true God. Jews, You tried to burnish your righteousness through meticulous obedience of the law. I myself tried to find righteousness this way, and it led to frustration and defeat because no one can ever fully obey the law. Our righteousness, Paul argues, is through utter trust and utter submission. The only way to a right relationship with God, which is what Paul means when he speaks of righteousness, is to take God at his word and to cast ourselves just as we are upon God's mercy and love. For Paul, the core of the Christian faith is the acceptance that we can never earn or deserve the favor of God, nor do we need to. The whole matter is one of grace, and all that is required of us is to accept in wonderment and gratitude what God has done for us. Paul will go on impressively for 15 more chapters, but this is the gospel in a nutshell. None of us has the inside track. None of us has the special playbook. All of it is grace. And if it is grace to us, we are called to extend that grace to one another. May we spend the rest of Lent and the rest of our Christian walk doing just that. Amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen.